You're listening to Bob Weshusen on 98.7 ESPN. Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN, ESPN.com, and here on 98.7, joins us now from Florham Park. Hi, Rich. Robert, how you doing? Thanks for having me. We haven't I'm talked in a great. while. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, my pleasure. You getting a tan up on the deck? Like, where, are they letting you watch from the uh, from you know from from the VIP area, or how are they treating you? Yeah, they're treating us well. We're you know <laughs> absorbing every practice, dissecting every play by Zach Wilson because that's what we do. You know, yep. so uh, it wouldn't be a training camp without a quarterback dissection. You know, is there ever a time where you're sitting there and as you're tweeting all of it out going, this is what people want. I think we're going overboard here, sending every single play from practice. But I know that people are kind of, you know, Jet fans, especially with another new quarterback, are sitting on their phone looking for any little nugget of news that you guys have. Yeah. Like today, Zach, he hit his uh, right hand on a helmet, you know, uh, one of the defensive linemen's helmets. And so, you know, we everybody reached for their phone at the same time and, you know, tweeted that out. It turned out to be nothing. He just had a, a little <laughs> scratch on his hand. He was fine. But, uh, you know, that's – look, we're, we live in a society where it's, like, constant news. And I don't tweet as much as I used to, probably not as much. Like when Sam Darnold was going through it three years ago, I probably tweeted a lot more. I'm just kind of being a little more selective now, just, you know, with interesting plays, whether they're good or bad. And, you know, of course, if there's any injuries – that's sort of any observations I make from practice. I try to be selective. I don't want to do a play-by-play because that's right. over the top. But, yep. you know, you try to get a happy medium. Well, let, let's talk. I mean, there is at least enough of a sample size now with the green-white scrimmage the other night and the fact that he's been out there for a couple of weeks to maybe talk about his progress. I know it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, right? Like there have been moments where he has looked like the second pick in the draft. There are other moments where he's looked very much like a rookie. So if you were to kind of talk maybe in totality about what you've seen so far, what do you think? Well, it's been 10 practices for him because he missed those first two, of course. But, uh, you know, it it hasn't been great. I mean, I think the first practice in front of the fans uh, about a week and a half ago was uh, electric. I mean, he was really dealing that day, and, you know, the fans were excited, and, and you saw those glimpses of why they made him the second pick. And, you know, to be quite honest, since then, it's been pretty uneven. We all saw, you know, the folks saw him Saturday night. He didn't play great in the practice at the stadium. And the last couple of days, you know, pretty up and down today. He held the ball a lot. You know, I took, and when I say sacks, of course, you know, I don't mean that they actually tackled him there, you know, not live tackling going on, but he had about five or six sacks today. So he's holding the ball too long. And so this is, this is normal for a rookie quarterback. They, they go through this, they're getting a ton of information thrown at him. Now, according to the jets, the entire offense is installed. So he can start reviewing stuff and drilling down on certain details. So you expect to see that, arrow starting to point up but right now he's going through a period where he's scuffling a little bit when you look at him or maybe when the coaches talk about him Lafleur, anyone else and you're watching him how much of the inconsistency do you think is like information overload right trying to digest all of this information playing while thinking he's processing he's looking at an nfl defense that could be pretty good and there's certainly a front seven that's got a chance to be pretty good um, or how much of this is just you know, a rookie making an inaccurate throw or a bad decision from time to time because he's a rookie and he hasn't seen play at this level yet. Yeah, it's all of the above. And, you know, I get some questions on Twitter sometimes. How does he compare to Sam, you know, when Sam came in three years ago? And the one difference is, you know, Zach is getting all the first-team reps. I mean, from day one, 
He, we know he's going to be the starter, getting all the reps. So he is going against the first-team defense. And as you mentioned, Bob, that their defensive line has a chance to be pretty good. I mean, Carl Lawson, <laughs> I think he's going to break Gastineau's record for both sacks in the training camp. I mean, he, he seems to get three sacks every day. He had another three today. So he's constantly in Zach's face. And when Sam came through three years ago as a rookie, he started out with the second team, you know, behind McCown and Bridgewater. And, and so he was facing – you know, the second team defense for a couple of weeks before he elevated to the starting role. And so that's one of the reasons why Zach is scuffling a little bit. He's going up against, you know, a, a pretty good front four. And the other thing I should mention is, you know, the first few practices were scripted and the last few days they've gone unscripted practices where, you know, things are happening faster, less choreographed ahead of time. He's hearing calls for the first time from, from LeFleur. And so it's more game-like. And so his performance has dipped when they got to the unscripted portion, which is something you would expect. And now you expect him to get more comfortable with that. Right, and almost no 7-on-7, seven seven, right? I mean, it seems like they're trying to put him in as many 11-on-11 11 11 situations as possible. Yeah, they do very little 7-on-7. Seven seven. It's one of the interesting differences between this camp and previous camp. Robert says he just really is not a big believer in 7-on-7 seven seven because it's not a live rep. There's no pass rush. Uh, so the quarterback frequently can hold the ball, you know, for five seconds or so, which we know is not, you know, really game-like. But, yeah, very, very few reps in seven-on-seven. And comparing him to Sam Darnold, I mean, look, you know, even though he's a rookie and he's going to make rookie mistakes, it, and, and the Jets probably still have certainly not, maybe not a bottom five, but probably a bottom ten skill position group in the NFL. Having said that, I mean, my opinion, I don't know what your opinion is, he is massively set up better for success than Sam Darnold was. Like, the, this this skill position group, if they stay healthy, is so much better than any skill position group that Sam Darnold had in any of his three years. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Sam was just put in a really tough spot um, and behind, you know, a kind of a you know, a, a mediocre offensive line at best with not many skilled players. The one good skill player he had was Robbie Anderson and they let him go to Carolina. Here, this is a legitimate receiving core. I mean, Corey Davis is good. Crowder is good. Elijah Moore is, is going to be really good. And uh, even Keelan Cole has been contributing. You know, he was a good pickup from Jacksonville. So they have a legitimate receiving core. And this offensive line, I'm not saying they're going to be a top 10 line or anything like that, but they will be considerably better than last year. Uh, you know, Vera Tucker hasn't even been in there because, you know, he's been dealing with a day-to-day pectoral injury. But once he gets in there, I think this line has a chance to be pretty solid. So, yes, he is. And I also believe this is a better system for him. This is a proven system, the 49ers system, the Shanahan system, whatever you want to call it. It's quarterback-friendly. I think they're going to feature the running game, which is something that Adam Gase never really did and it put too much pressure on Sam Darnold. I think they're going to run the ball a lot here and try to take the pressure off of uh, Zach, which is the way to go. Rich Samini with us from Jets Camp here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, the one guy that I didn't hear you mention name uh, was, was Mims, and I don't know... You know, I can't imagine that Denzel Mims is not going to make this team, right? For Joe Douglas to draft him in the second round last year and cut him this year, I can't wrap my head around that. But it certainly seems as if he is fighting, you know, being 
not quite the right fit for this offense and this system and you know and and maybe that part of that's on him maybe he just hasn't adjusted as well as he needs to like where is he in all of this in his development or are we overblowing the fact early in camp that he hasn't been out there with the ones as much as maybe you would think a second round pick from last year should be yeah it's definitely a fair question because of where he was drafted last year and uh they're not going to cut him i can tell you that right Right. now he's going to be on this team um, you know, could they trade him? I, I, you know, I don't think he would. I don't think that's going to happen either. I think he's going to be on this team. Now, what what role he has is another story. I mean, I don't see him as among the top five receivers. He's probably sixth, maybe even seventh. So the question becomes, how does he get to the game on Sunday? And I, I'm not sure how he would because he's not a special teams player. So you know, I don't know if he'll have a game day role. But I will say this. You know, he got off to a really slow start. He missed a lot of time in the offseason. You know, he was he was ill. You know, he had food poisoning, and he lost about 15 pounds yep. and missed about seven OTA practices. So that alone put him behind. You're right about the route running. Might not be totally suited for this offense. But he has – he made a great catch today on a long pass from Mike White, you know, on a go route down the sideline. Um we know he can do that type of thing, the vertical stuff. It's more the uh, sophisticated pass routes that he needs to work on. So he has gotten better the last few days after a slow start, but I still have questions about what kind of role he's going to have. Yeah, although in the NFL, regardless of the system that you're running, there's always a place for a really big athletic guy that can run down the sideline and out-jump people for balls, whether it's in the red zone or just as a deep threat. I mean, Robbie Anderson didn't run the most you know, sophisticated route tree when he was with the Jets, and yet he was, as you said, the most productive skill position player that – that Sam Darnold played with, largely just trying to run past people and catch a deep ball. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would think that if Mims shows that capability, maybe you're trying to work with him on the other stuff, knowing that, that that's still a unique thing. There aren't guys on every team that can do that. Yeah, he's, he's 6'3", and he runs a 4'3". So, exactly. I mean, there aren't, there aren't too many guys like that, so that's why he's going to be here. Uh you know, they're not going to cut him. I mean, he's a bigger type receiver. And other than Corey Davis, they really don't have another guy in that mold. And so, look, this may turn out to be like just a, you know, I hate to use the phrase, but like a redshirt year for him. Maybe if other guys are healthy ahead of him, maybe he doesn't get a huge opportunity to play this year as he continues to develop. But then next year, you know, Crowder is a free agent. He could be gone. Cole's a free agent. He could be gone. So then all of a sudden there's openings. So, yeah, I, I think he has a future here. It may not happen immediately, but they're not going to give up on a second-round pick. Yep. Well, there's a two-win team from last year, as we talked to Rich Samini from Jets Camp. So you're always wanting to hear about the new guys, right? Because the guys that are returning from a two-win team, you know you have to get better. And... You know, you mentioned Elijah Moore. You mentioned Carl Lawson. Talk about both of those guys, though, um, and, you know, the impact that they could both make because they seem to be like a play waiting to happen every time the two of them are on the field. Yeah, Lawson's been the best player in camp. I mean, and I don't even think it's close. I mean, today, three more sacks, as I mentioned. He's a weird, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's undersized. He's only about 6'2". He's about 260. Obviously, he's got a... You know, he's sculpted upper body, so he's really built. And he's just got a really quick step. And I think, you know, it causes guys, you know, those big left tackles, you know, because of his low center of gravity, and he's very slippery. He just has a way of 
sliding through crevices, you know, with his speed. And so he's causing all sorts of problems for Makai Becton. You know, that you could look at it from an offensive perspective and say, hey, you know, he's got to do a better job of blocking this guy. But I think ultimately that'll be good for Makai, you know, because he's going to be facing a, a lot of great rushers this year. So he's getting a workout every day. So I think Lawson has a chance to be their ed- best edge rusher in a while. Now, that's not saying much. We know, right. Jeff fans know that's been a, a trouble <laughs> spot since, you know, since John Abraham. But, uh, and Elijah is just different. You could tell in OTAs there's just something about him. He just he runs routes really well. He he cuts. He's in and out of his breaks in such a fluid way that it makes you notice. I'm probably dating myself, but you could appreciate this, Bob. You know, he kind of reminds me of Santana Moss that way because Santana was not the biggest guy, but you remember he was so smooth yep. when he came in and just like a polished receiver, a professional when he got right into camp. And that, Elijah looks like the same guy. And um, hopefully the Jets won't trade him away after a couple of years like they did Santana Moss, but we'll see. But, uh, yeah, he looks very, very impressive. And he will be playing. I mean, I don't know whether he'll be the number one or the number two. He will be on the field a lot. Yeah, the the first depth chart they put out for Saturday night where he's like a third-string receiver. I mean, come on. Like, he's the, he's out there every single time. No, the starters seem to be out there making plays. So you're right. Now, a couple of positions they didn't address. Let's go offense first. Tight end. Is there any reason to think that anyone is going to emerge from this tight end group? Because it seems like now maybe it's just you can't have all the things that you want, and they didn't go out there and throw a whole bunch of money around. They only have a certain number of draft choices. So Chris Herndon, by default, gets another chance to do this, or maybe Ryan Griffin reappears this season. I know they brought in a couple of tight ends to join that group, but that's not a group that they seem to go out of their way to try and, and, and really improve. Um, yeah, no, they didn't. And, yeah. you know, you see, uh, you know, you see it every day. No one is, you know, they signed Tyler Croft to a minimum deal, the former Rutgers uh, tight end by way of the Bills. Yep. And so, uh, but n- neither he or Herndon or Griffin or Westwood, none of those guys have stood out. And um, so I think that that's going to be an issue for this team. Um, they just don't have that that guy, and I think it'll probably be some sort of rotation based on, you know, situation down in distance. Chris Herndon's a guy, you know, it's frustrating for Jet fans. But, you know, they saw the, that promise as a rookie, and he just hasn't he hasn't developed since then. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's because he's been in so many different systems. It's his third system in four years. But, you know, you, occasionally you see a flash, but uh, he, he had a drop pass today. Um we saw last year, you know, the first 12 games of the year, I mean, it was a disaster. You know, had so many drops and fumbles, and he did pick up toward the end. So uh, I don't know where his head's at right now. It's a contract year for him. You know, you would think this has got to happen now. But, um, yep, it, it is a problem, and it's not going to be a big featured part of their offense. Now, there, there might be a little more promise at corner. Right, because they didn't go out. As we, that's a very high leverage position financially. If you're going to get a big time corner, you normally you have to pick one, if not in the first round, towards the top of the first round. They went all offense when they had their premium picks this past draft. They drafted, I know, bulk corners later on in the draft to try to kind of go quantity versus quality and see if someone emerges. But it certainly seems like Bless Austin um, is going to have the opportunity to be that number two starting corner. Where do you think that group is at right now? Is there a reason for a Jet fan to hopefully be optimistic that maybe that group will overachieve? Yeah, um, 
you know, Austin and Hall, I think, are the leading contenders. They're, they're the incumbents. Um, it is a young group. Uh, you know, Bless is highly confident, and we talked to him yesterday. He said he's, you know, just turn on the tape. I'm the real deal. He, he thinks of himself as the one, one of the better corners in the league. You know, I think he's got a ways to go. But, yeah. you know, they love his mentality. It's a, you know, like Salah said, it's a dog mentality. He's an in-your-face type player, very aggressive. Uh, so they do have some promise there at corner. It's just it's just going to be some rough days. You know, it's just whenever they face a you know a team with a lot of talent on the perimeter and, and a good quarterback, it's just it's just going to be a tough day. That's where you got to rely on your front four to get home and, and cause the quarterback to get off his game because these corners probably won't hold up. Uh, you know. I know fans are like, will, will they get a corner before the season starts? Well, where, where are they going to get one? I mean, right. it's one of the most coveted positions out there. No one's giving away good corners. Everyone, you know, C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville, you know, I think he was the ninth or tenth pick in last year's draft. Every, you know, supposedly he's available for trade. But, you know, you have to ask yourself, why, why would the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are desperate for talent, <laughs> be, be putting a guy on the market? You know, there, there has to be something there that doesn't add up. And it, there, there are things there. You know, he's got some personal issues he's dealing with. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, it would be great to bring in, like, a, a high first-round pick. But what are you going to have to give up, and, and is it really worth it? So I think they're going to roll with these young guys and, and see how it goes. Rich, final question. We only got a minute left or so, but I said this yesterday, and I've said it again today. See if you agree. You know, people always ask me, "Oh, Jets, how many wins?" To me, this is not a win total season for them, right? They won two games last year. They've got a rookie quarterback. They've got a rookie at left guard. Obviously, they went up and got him to put him against next to a second-year left tackle. One of their biggest wide receivers, at least in terms of playing time, I would think would be Elijah Moore. He's a rookie, right? I mean, they're they have an influx of talent. But to me, is this a season where a Jet fan should say, all right, well, if they don't win seven or they don't win six, I mean, could they win five or six games, but you just see the arrow pointing up and they're more competitive and more competent and look like there's a future? Or are you someone that says, no, they really have to go out and win some games this year to to make you believe that, that this group can actually at some point become something? Yeah, you have to be realistic. This this is a transition year for this team. Um, they had one of the worst rosters in the league a year ago, you know, maybe even two years ago, and you saw the results. So it, it is a rookie quarterback. There's going to be some some high highs and low lows, and you know, I don't think Jet fans, or at least the smart ones, are not saying, "Well, we got to win seven or eight games." I personally see it as a six and eleven season. But you know what? If if it's six and eleven and they're playing good ball over the last month, and Zach. You know, he's got his sea legs under him, and his arrow is pointing up. Then it's a good six and eleven. So that, and then you go into the off season and you build a little more. So that that's what the realistic expectation is. Now the Jets are never going to say that publicly. You know, they're they're rebuilding, and it's it's kind of a developmental year. And you know, you see that with some of their personnel decisions. And you you just try to develop the talent you have and have another free agency cycle, another draft. You know, we know what they have next year. They got two number ones. They could make another killing in next year's draft. And then if all the pieces fall into place, then you're in really good position. But this is this is a uh, a get Zach ready year. That's that's how I look at it. And uh, it's a young coaching staff. We haven't even talked about that. You know, and they're learning too. Yeah, there's going to be some mistakes from them too, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Very young. So it's a learning year for everyone. Rich, thanks a million. I appreciate it. All right, Bob. Take care. You're listening to Bob Washusen on 98.7 ESPN.